Support for KZSU comes from Modeler.com, a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com provides tools for architects, designers, and construction professionals to discover, discuss, and specify products for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for their generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect. KZSU Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the barrier on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, this is Tom Dioro. Thank you, Shay. For our guest today, please welcome Bill Letty, architect and principal at Letty Matum Stacy Architects, the 2017 American Institute of Architects National Firm of the Year award winner. LMS is a diverse group of designers sharing a common belief in the transformative power of architecture to help lead the way to a just, healthy, and regenerative future for all. Working with leading nonprofits and organizations to marry poetry with performance, creating sustainable new environments that advance an important mission. For more information, you can visit www.lmsart.com. That's www.lmsart.com. A-R-C-H dot com. Hello, Bill. We're excited and honored to have you on The Modern Architect today. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks very much for uh, inviting thank me. You. What, what, Bill, what, uh, if you can go back to what, what inspired you to architecture or the built environment? Is there, is there any one incidence, instance uh, or, or place that kind of said, you know what, I like this and it's kind of a part of me? Uh, well, I uh, when I was 12 or uh, maybe 11, I was a Boy Scout, and um, I uh, got a little-known merit badge called the Architecture Merit Badge. And um, as part of That's that, right. as yeah. part of that merit badge, uh, you had to um, go and and uh, and help out uh, in a architectural office, and I did that uh, sort of up the peninsula a little bit. Uh, for a few week, a few days, and then one summer, and I just thought it was the coolest way to make a living. Oh you yeah! Get, you get to create, you get to you get to deal with so many different issues, and bring together an environment that that uh, that serves people. And so I thought, this is pretty cool. Now, as I was mentioning earlier, my father was an engineer, my mom was an artist, and so in some ways, people say, well, you, it was it was it was preordained. Um, but uh, I I've always been interested in in the combination of 
of creativity and engineering okay. and finding ways to sort of bring those elements together. Yeah, it sounds like a calling. Is it, I mean, am I totally. reaching or no? Totally. Well, okay. since I was 12, there's never been any question. Wow, so 12 years old, there was a program. I didn't know that the Scouts had that. I was a part of the Scouts, so I didn't know. Maybe that's why I didn't win that award. But you, <laughs> you, you, you were able to go to an actual firm. Do you recall what the firm was or I, where I, it no, is? No, I, I don't. It was like, I think it was in Millbrae, and and, uh, and they, they had me running prints and, and kind of cleaning out the wastebaskets. But I still, I thought, <laughs> I thought That's it was awesome. a pretty, I thought it was a pretty, pretty cool way to uh, to spend your days. Yeah. So, uh, so that was that was the beginning of it, and and I think later on, um, you know, I mean, there are a lot of other influences. My my uh, um, my my family was lucky enough. My father, uh, in in uh, when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, took the whole family to Europe, which was sort of an unheard of thing in those days. He must have gotten must, must have made a big deal <laughs> in his in his, uh, in his in his business. But um, I remember sixteen. It was sixteen okay. years old. So mm-hmm. I remember walking through Chartres Cathedral, and in in you know just south of Paris, and just having it. You know, it's famous for its gigantic volumes and its stained glass, and it just it blew my mind. So, yeah, uh, really. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't done any cathedrals yet, but yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's still more time. So, well, I've seen your, your website and some of your work. They're per, quite cathedral. You know, <laughs> that, you don't have to have a cathedral actually to be cathedral. I guess that's a new word. But uh, so, so, so you've had some influences. Um, I think everyone. Yeah, you know, I think everyone does in, in along the along the way, and and uh, and those were some of mine. Yeah. Yeah. So you're at 16, and when you went to high school, we both were from the same city, San Mateo. That's right. Shout out to San Mateo for That's sure. Right. <laughs> uh, what what about even growing up in San Mateo? May have uh, do you recall certain buildings uh, that that uh, that kept that sort of uh, calling alive? Well, I mentioned that uh, that I, I I grew up. In uh, an Eichler mm-hmm. development, and um, if for those of the audience who know the Eichler homes in the Bay Area, in particular, uh, they were uh, uh, influenced heavily influenced by the uh, the case study houses of the of the post war era, mainly which were mainly built in, in the Los Angeles area. There's sort of a new look at what living could be like using all the technologies that happened that were developed during World War II, plywood. Um, you know, mass production, all those sorts of things, and uh, the great thing about the um, the uh, the Eichler development that I was living living in was that um, it was a it was it was almost like an urban environment within the suburbs because it was so dense and diverse. There were people uh, from all walks of life, um, and uh, lots of artists, physicists. Professional baseball players. There, there are people from from uh, every walk of life and every background, and I think that, in a, in a way, gave me a really uh, early sense of the potential of architecture to help uh, engender strong communities. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I think you know, if, as soon as you get your 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 your, uh, your whistle wet when it comes to uh, <laughs> to uh, to architectural experiences, yeah. you start you start collecting them and you start looking yeah. for them. And so you'd find little moments here and there and look visiting buildings. I think one of the biggest uh, uh, sort of um, maybe disadvantages most people have, I think, is that we're we're just uh, typical Americans are not necessarily uh, exposed to great architecture on a daily basis unless they happen to live in a city. Um, and so I think, I think just being aware of it when you come across it, and it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be, it doesn't have to be f- by a fancy architect. It can just be a beautiful moment, a beautiful, um, a beautiful place to sit 
in an arched opening, whatever it might be, to really appreciate what architecture can do in terms of your daily enhancing your daily yeah. life and your daily experience. So I can I can tell from our conversation, Bill. You're, you it sounds like you're um, you're you're looking to kind of infuse that in, in a lot of projects that you do. At some level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, in many ways, I think, uh, you know, architecture is a calling, as you mentioned earlier, in the sense that I think it's 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 a way of, of, of making an offering to the broader um, populace mm-hmm. uh, that um, that 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 brings a sense of of utility, but also a sense of grace. And and in that it, that in the sense that it's gracious. I like that. A uh-huh. sense of utility with grace. Right. Oh. Oh. So there's a so great. there's a there's a, a there's a yeah there's a great um, there's a great uh, uh, one of my one of my heroes uh, uh, is the architect Louis Kahn. Okay. Who was one of the two or three greatest architects of the 20th century, and um, and he he talks a lot about architecture from that point of view, the point of view of graciousness. And um, one of the things that I remembered that was very inspiring to me just in terms of the experience of, of buildings and the experience of our built world was that um, he talked about, he, he t- he'd like to tell parables. And, um, and so one parable he told was the parable of a grandfather and a, and a grandson going up a stair. And, and so he designed the stair with a bench at the at the landing, and somebody asked him, well, "Why mm. did you, why did you provide the bench at the landing?" And he said, "Well, because when the grandfather is going up the stair with the grandson, he might want to sit down and take a break, and not have the embarrassment of being tired. Oh. But it's an opportunity yeah. to sit and spend time with his grandson, and and maybe tell a story. And I thought." Yeah, that's that's what architecture can do. I mean, we 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 think yeah. as lay people that architecture is all about, you know, fireworks. It's all about huge, you know, volumes or big, you know, crazy shapes. But but it's also about it's about that. But it's also about um, creating these special moments that tell us that we're human beings. Yeah, I love that. That 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 leads me to. Um... There's a culture. Obviously, you've won the 2017 AIA National Firm of the Year, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so you won that that, that <laughs> award. That's great. As we're sipping our, our waters here, um, you won that. Th- that that has to be, a, a, I think, a culture that's kind of that goes throughout a company. How do you feel about that? Oh, very much so. I okay. mean, I think that was that was um, uh, the that particular award uh, is a recognition of a firm that kind of you know in some ways you could say it brings the whole package. It's 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 a it's over ten years of distinguished design, but it's also, you know, create, ten years. Yeah, that's oh, it's the, a cumulative of ten. You have, to, you have to have minimum of ten years of consistent design excellence, and then you have to, that's and then awesome. you, and then you have to show, and then you have to show um, uh, that you've created a, a firm culture that that reinforces those 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 basic design values. And so, you know, we were very fortunate this year to 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 receive that, and 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 um, you know, it's. It's still kind of overwhelming, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's also something to to. Um, how do you how do you say? I want to high five you here in the studio. It's just <laughs> so huge. We it's talking in the mm-hmm. we call the green room about mm-hmm. we're both from San Mateo and how San Mateo has more Super Bowl 
winners um, who either are from, born in San Mateo or from San Mateo or have gone through San Mateo than any other city in the United States. That's obviously that's football, so it's different. But now, obviously, we have a, an architect <laughs> as well, so you may as well add another one into there that. There you go. But uh, <laughs> no, that's that that's just terrific. So the culture in, in your in your firm, how how would you? I don't think you can simply describe it, but how what what is What's the essence that's that's helping to sustain this? Well, I, you know, I think that uh, we we've been very purposeful about you know we're designers, so so we figure well you know if we can design buildings, we should be able to design a firm, <laughs> and we should be able to design how to 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 the extent that we can create opportunities to to make the daily experience for our staff. Consistent with the larger goals and larger missions of the, of the firm, so um, we've kept it small. So we don't. We're around 25 people by design. By design. Okay. Um, when we get above 25, things get squirrely. So we like to stay <laughs> stay down stay down to that size. And I was reading something recently about about uh, you know indigenous uh, settlements uh, over over the course of the you know the history of our species and how. Mm-hmm. How more often than not, they tend to be around 25 people, um, you know, for extended families or for small villages. So anyway, that works for us. Awesome. And and then I, I like think that. the other thing that we've done is we've 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 been very clear about our mission. We're really interested in what we call mission-driven design. So it's not just about making beautiful things, mm-hmm. beautiful places. That's important. Um, it's not about the latest trend or the latest style. It's about Taking the power of design, as you mentioned in your in your little prompt, your little preview piece, taking the power of design and and focusing that on, um, on 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 helping populations who don't normally get design um, to uh, have to improve the quality of their lives. And so that's why we do we focus on a, a work that ranges from uh, housing for the homeless. <clears throat> Um, housing for a whole bunch of other populations, including uh, disabled vets and uh, those sort, those sorts of things. We do a lot of work for nonprofits uh, that specialize uh, in, uh, for example, helping uh, uh, disabled populations. And then we um, we also do um, a lot of work in education, and and all of those are kind of they share a common bow, a bond in the sense that they. Um, they're all about how architecture can help enhance the mission of those each each of those in, in, in organizations. So, anyway, when you create a strong mission and you sort of, if you will, to use an overword, overused word, curate the uh, okay. <laughs> the yeah. uh, the size of the firm, mm-hmm. um, uh, then then what happens is we start we've, we over the years we've started to attract folks that 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 share those values. I was, uh, and I think at the end of the day, then you, you end up with with uh, with a with a with a really solid group of folks who, you know, are really passionate about this stuff and 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 help us all do great stuff. Yeah, I, we were speaking uh, again in the with a green room about how how do you make it look so easy because there's so much work and so much exertion that go into making something easy and we both kind of some we we agreed on it how, how do you do that how do you make it look that easy well i think the the um the thing that i i think continues to be uh an inspiration for me and a, and a kind of a motivator is the fact that architecture is um a uh, a complicated very um, much so endeavor yeah. i mean it it's it, it's about politics and science and 
technology and art and 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 sociology and you know uh, engineering. It's about all that stuff at once. And so, um, uh, you know, I mean, I think I think uh, you know Frank Lloyd Wright, who was never one to uh, be a be a fainting lily. <laughs> Claimed that architecture was the mother art. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure I'd say that because I think it's 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 in some ways it's more than an art because it 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 it, it kind of encompasses so many other uh, elements of our world. Um, so I think I think the way to to make it look easy um, is is that you need to. We talk about we talk about it in terms of like sometimes in terms of like making a stew. You know, you kind of, okay. you kind of, you kind of, you kind of assemble really good ingredients, and then you kind of put them together in a in a way. And at some point, the sum of the, the sum of the parts transcends the whole, and it looks easy at the end of the day. And the same was true, I think, with a good building. If you if you understand the elements, then you can pull them together in a way that um, with a strong guiding idea that makes it look easy in the end. Yeah. Excellent. Let's, let's touch back on that uh, when we come back. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. The Loop is a radio show featuring electronic music, ranging from house to techno to downtempo, and everything that's good in the underground. Each week, the show features releases, exclusive mixes, top picks, interviews and live guest DJs from around the world. That's The Loop with Drew Deep, Monday mornings at 11 a.m. on KZSU Stanford. Now back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Bill Letty, Principal and Letty Madam Stacy Architects. For more information, please visit www.lmsarch.com. That's www. LMSARCH.com. Bill, we were talking about you know, making it look easy um, and how challenging it is and how architecture is so complex. What, have you ever quantified the percentage of design work and, and actual people work? What I mean, people like administrative, cities, challenges, legal. How much actually is, uh, is, is design if you've ever quantified it? It's all design. Uh, oh, I love that. That's a great response. It is. Yeah, yeah. It is. So even d- even working with uh, administrators, owners, Absolutely. cities, so it's all design. It's all about. Okay. It's all about helping to lead a process toward uh, an optimized and, and fruitful outcome. And so I think you know that that you know I think early in many architects' careers they look at they look at the the the. Um, the the politics or the or the um, the sort of administrative part of the work to be kind of um, an obstacle to true art, but in fact, at the end of the day, that's as much of the design problem as. Wow, that's an awesome perspective. Making, as, as making making sure that your that your that your client has the right number of rooms or the right size of rooms or whatever that might be. So. So at the end of the day, that's the thing about it. That, it's, that as I say, the, the architects typically, you know, the, the, the traditional viewpoint, architects tra- traditionally don't really sort of hit their stride into their fifties, and the reason for that is because it's so many. There's so many complicated factors 
that um, that come into the you know creation of, of, of really great work, you know, all the way down to convincing the builder to do the, the to create the building the way that you had drawn it. All those things um, come into play. So. I think you have to embrace all that stuff and 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 really make it part of this part of one large, yeah, you know, kind of uh, creative endeavor. That, that's awesome. So hitting your stride at fifty it reminds me of what's the the, the movie was called um, oh, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. where, where he actually started? Oh, right. he he he, right. he went backwards. Right. So hopefully, S- I'm not going backwards. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, so so at fifty, you're really hitting. Your, your stride is in what you have a greater understanding. You have a, you still have got obviously you got some still got some vigor, and you put that together. I think the idea. I'm is, curious as to how. how, how I think it, the idea is that okay. you're that you're that you're it it. it I think the, the the young the young kind of global architect stars are kind of an anomaly. I think I think more often than not, what you're seeing is is people people just learn more and more about how to how to manage the process and how to kind of. Um, you know what's what's possible and what's not, and then you learn by mistakes, and then you move on. Yeah. But 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 um, that always that's always giving me. I mean, I'm I'm past that now. But I've <laughs> <laughs> so you did. Yeah. In, in hindsight, you 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 had that. I, I I feel like there was a there was an increasing level. It just isn't any, any profession. I mean, it's a, it's it's called a practice for a reason, right? We practice mm-hmm. architecture because you have to keep practicing and keep practicing, and eventually, you know, you're gonna you're gonna figure out. The more you know, the more you've learned that you don't know. So, so at the end of the day, as long as you stay curious and as long as you stay inventive, then um, then your work will continue to improve. And I think that's the goal of every architect. Yeah. How, how do how uh, how do you, does would one become egoless, so to speak? Egoless. Yeah, egoless. It, it re- really, so that you can kind of arrive at a point of uh, knowing that you don't know it all. Yeah. Well, I think. Um, Ego is a is a topic that is fairly uh, common within architecture, as you might have heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked. You know, but, but, but I and I, t- and I think I can think of many architects yeah. who aren't egoless, uh, okay. probably myself included. But I do think that at some point, um, uh, you know, I think. Well, let me put it this way: I think that there's a that one what one strives to do is at least in our practice is in what we I think we're known for is work that is that has a certain um, understated, you know, humility about it, um, and which is not to say that we don't have egos, but I think it's to say that we're not um, uh, we're not seeking to express ourselves, uh, you know, through our work. We're seeking to use architecture as a tool that helps to um, support and and. Uh, invite the people who are going to be using the building. So it's people directed. It's more about it's more about them in the end of the day than it is about us. And and I think um, that's not to say that we're we're going to you know give up an opportunity to make a beautiful thing because the beautiful thing serves people too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the greatest uh, comments I've heard about sustainability in recent years is that the most sustainable they're, they're, they're the most the, the first most sustainable thing you can do is reuse an existing building. Uh, because it's already got embodied energy. The second most sustainable thing you can do is to create a really beautiful environment that will inspire love for that place for generations to come. Because then the people will take care of it and they'll cherish it. And so that's that's an important part of making architecture that's 
sustainable. Yeah. And also long lasting. So how are you seeing that? You, you, you said the people. So you're you're beginning with the people that you're going to to serve in essence, right? How do you see with your? Um, uh, I'm not sure what what belief is, but it's like your third eye. You know, <laughs> how do you see that cl- as clearly as the act when the building is is completed? It well, it, I mean, it depends. This is why working on a variety of different projects is really interesting because we get to meet a whole variety of people. And uh, so, for example, some years ago, we we did a project uh, called the Ed Roberts Campus in Berkeley, which was the first uh, center for the disabled rights independent living movement of its scale in the country. And 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 so we got to know we had to design a building that was going to be usable without any additional assistance by a, a, a super wide range of people with different ability levels. Um, so we, um, we, in that case, we had a series of workshops where we actually would meet with people, representatives of the entire population of the, of the, uh, who would be using this building and, uh, you know, got to understand some of the, some of their needs. For example, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, uh, we would use, um, uh, uh, drawings that were actually printed out on a braille printer, so so people who were blind could actually, you know, touch the drawings and understand that we had models. We had visual models, but then we had tactile models, so that people uh, with with sight disabilities um, could um, uh, you know could touch what we were proposing. Um, you know, and we we learned to communicate much more clearly as a result of that because we knew that we knew that you know. Uh, we had to we had to make ourselves understood to an entirely different audience. So each you know when we work with schools, we talk to the students and the teachers. So each each project has its unique set of users and set of set of population that we want to serve. But I should add, uh, hasten to add that I think I think that one of the things about our work that that I think is really um, meaningful to me is that that each project is an opportunity to serve that special population. Um, but it's also an opportunity to, in some ways, serve a larger population of a broader community. So, for example, if you're creating a school that happens to be net zero energy um, and that models what living and learning in a, in a post-carbon future looks like, then you're not only – your audience is not only the – kids and the faculty, the students and the faculty who are at that school every day, your audience are the parents of the children who are there. Your audience is a generation, generations of children who come through that place. And each time that someone, hopefully in the ideal world, each time that someone comes in, 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 in touch with that space and that environment, um, they carry it with them you know, when they, when they leave. And then that is a, is a little, a little, it's the proverbial, you know, kind of pebble dropped in the water and the ripples yeah. kind of carry out. Oh yeah. So that's, oh. so that's the, so it's the, it's the, it's the immediate audience, but it's also, it's also a much broader audience. And so that's why I think, and I say to architecture students all the time is that now I think that this point in history is probably the most exciting time to be an architect in the history of architecture. And the reason for that is because we have these powerful tools and we have this huge need. How do we get, how do we get from our current, you know, kind of, you know, um, energy model to net zero carbon in the next 
15 years or less. And that's going to require a huge shift in how we think about engaging our built world. Architects are at the forefront of helping that to envision that future, and I think that's a that's a that's a both an awesome responsibility. Oh, totally, yeah. It's both an awesome responsibility, but it's also a huge creative opportunity. And I think that's a, that's a, that's why I, I get really excited about what's happening now in architecture. And I think it's it's just going to get more exciting all the time. Yeah. How do you capture that? Is there a way to capture the essence of that challenge? Um. And it can't, I don't think it can be, this is my opinion, I don't think it can be just through policy. It has to be through individuals. Yeah. And uh, um, I'm just curious what your, your take on that might be. Well, I, I think the um, uh, capturing that, that idea is, is, um, is, I think, it, you're right, it's got to be both. It's got to be, it's got to be from a, from a, from a governmental perspective, Calif- you know, in California, we're blessed in so many ways because we're kind of ahead of the rest of the nation mm-hmm. in, in, in energy policy and so forth. But it gets back to that other point I was making. I mean, you have to sort of people just by our nature are afraid of the future. You know, we're not we're not we're, we're afraid of things that we don't understand. So I think the important thing is to is to create case studies, to create models of what a post carbon future might look like. And um, and as soon as you start creating enough of those. Then, you know, it gets back to that, my earlier comment about people having not enough ex- opportunities to experience architecture. When people spend time in a place that uses zero energy or, you know, recycles all of its wastewater or whatever it does, mm-hmm. um, then it becomes demystified. And then they can understand how it's a benefit, not just a benefit abstractly, but a benefit in the moment to how you experience, you know, your daily life. Yeah. How do you, how are you, um, expressing that to your existing clients and even your prospective prospective clients so that they kind of can you do that i don't I hate to say the word quickly but can you kind of just encapsulate it and say here's here's kind of how it, we're going to work with you and here's how it's going to the outcome of this is 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 that maybe too simplistic yeah well i think okay. you know everyone everyone comes <clears throat> everyone comes to us with their own perceptions and you know and their own agendas and so forth and multiple agendas usually and, and, <laughs> and agendas. yeah and uh, well you know i mean you know yeah. we, we work with a lot of committees and 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 you know building department you know groups and so forth but i think um i think part of that for us is um is that we we've made it sort of clear what our agenda is what you know what we're interested in doing and i think i think what happens then is that we we, we often attract clients who want to pursue that yeah. kind of that kind of work at some level and so uh to to a certain extent that that conversation has been largely is largely understood yeah. you know before we get going but that 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 uh that that being said because we work with a lot of groups where there there are multiple um individuals involved we still have to make a case and i i'm, I'm recalling one school we did some uh, some years ago, where um, where we had the goal was to was to do a, a lead um, a lead gold school, and they that we we went to before the the board and the board said, well, you know, there's some guys on the board who didn't believe in that, mm-hmm. and so they said, go back and go back and make make a case for why should we do this, 
And so we uh, we were able to show, we went back and had our engineers figure out the amount of energy the building was going to save and the amount of, and I said, well, we can, we can, we can use, you know, kind of reduced absenteeism on the part of the teachers because that's a, that's a, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a scientifically proven element of sustainable environments. And we can also use, you know, kind of increased test scores because that's another scientifically proven element of, of sustainable educational environments. And these folks said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to allow you to do that. And I said, well, okay, fine. How about if we, if we can figure out the cost savings based upon an escalation of energy costs, which is going to happen over time? And they said, no, no, flat energy costs. So I said, oh, you're going to make it really interesting for us, aren't you? And so, so we went back, and we were able to show that, that t- t- the difference between a code minimum building and a, and a gold building was X, and, and that, we could, that, we could, that would pay for itself in five years. And at that point, the, the, uh, even with all those constraints, and at that point, the, at that point the, the, uh, the board said, oh, in that case, let's go to lead platinum. So, so I think you, know, you still have to make a case, but, but it's getting easier, and that's the good news. Yeah. It's great. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. The mission of the Safe Haven Animal Sanctuary is to provide care and peaceful environments for abused, handicapped, aged, or homeless animals. They also offer adoption services and relocation for feral cats in the Silicon Valley. Safe Haven is located in the South Bay area and is always seeking donations or volunteers. To learn more, visit safehavenanimalsanctuary.org. That's safehavenanimalsanctuary.org. Now back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Bill Letty, Principal at Letty Maiden Stacy Architects. For more information, please visit www.lmsarch.com. That's www. L-M-S-A-R-C-H dot com. Bill, how many people or businesses or organizations are approaching you with with the intent of net zero energy in, say, the last two, three years? Uh, Probably three or four or five folks. Not a lot. Really? Which is kind of surprising. Um, But I think... um, I think that's going to be increasing, and I think you know. But that's where it gets back to your earlier point, your earlier question about you know how do you how do you kind of move this along? And I think it's it's it, at the end of the day, um, as as the code the building codes become more restrictive and and de- more demanding around this, I think it's going to become a lot easier uh, for people to understand that in, it, they really can you know uh, reduce their long term energy costs and do a good thing for the for the larger you know, global environment yeah um, <clears throat> I think the reality though is that it's that, it, that here's the, and here's the thing that, that a lot of people don't like to talk about I think it actually does require a shift in how we uh, what our expectations are about the, about about thermal comfort for example and um, <laughs> I, I recalled of going to another uh, visiting another <laughs> school where we um, where we uh, had had done an early school, which was a lead gold school, and 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 it was uh, it had no air conditioning because we were super low energy, and and uh, and I went to a meeting maybe a year or two after the school was done, and the faculty, one of the new newer faculty members, came in. She said, "Are you the architect that that designed this project?" And I said, "Yes, I am." And she goes, "Well, I only have one complaint." I said, 
I thought to myself, well, that's not too bad. <laughs> and, she says, and she says, there's no air conditioning. And I said, I said, well, you know, it's a you know, low energy school and blah, blah, blah. And we're trying to kind of, you know, reduce our carbon footprint. And maybe you didn't understand what I said. There's no air conditioning. So I think it made me realize that, you know, some people just feel so entitled these days to, you know, they're 68 degrees, you know, whatever it is year round. And and I think I think that you know if we can't if we can't get the net zero in California, especially in Northern California, we can't get the net zero anywhere. So I think we need. I think it behooves us as a as a as a society here in California yeah. to really keep pushing that as hard as we can. Yeah. Do you do you suggest it to your clients? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Is every job. I mean, every unfortunately, well, you know, every every job we do, we we put it forward. I think the problem is that you know we do a little feasibility study, and it shows that it's still you know from an economic perspective, it's still it's hard to justify. Um, but if from a from an educational perspective, and from a from a uh, um, from the perspective of of kind of positioning one's institution to be forward looking, I would say it's I would argue it's priceless. So um, you know. It's yeah. gonna, that's that's starting to come around more, but it's taken a while. Yeah. What recent projects? I know you've said several projects of schools. I don't know if you're at liberty to say where where the schools are that, that have you done in the last say two years that uh, kind of fit really the you know what what the culture and what the the your purpose is like. Yeah, we're really on the mark with these, as so far as what they the the. the the customers require or clients ask and then you deliver on i mean um well i'll tell you one one project that i'm really uh if you're at liberty to yeah sure well i mean i think probably some of the independent schools i probably should should not mention but uh we just finished at berkeley uc berkeley the about a year ago the um the jacobs institute for design innovation uh, which is a small building uh on the berkeley campus that is a hub for innovation for the entire university, and, the, the, and you did that one. Wow! Yeah. So, oh. the, so the thing I'm really, the thing I'm really delighted about that building is that not only is it a, is is it a, a building that um, that uh, displays uh, its sort of sustainability on its sleeve. It's got a, it's got a, it's got a big, <laughs> it's got a big um, photovoltaic electric uh, generating roof that that is part of the sculpture of the of the of the of the building. It, it sort of is, was was in, was designed in kind of an aspirational kind of kind of. Uh, mood. Did they ask you for that, or you kind of came up with it? I came up with that. Did you really? And, and actually, the dean, oh, the, the assistant fierce. dean at the, at the school of engineering, was was totally on board with it, and he actually was key to getting that thing kind of paid for. But the point I was going to make was that <clears> the cool thing about it is that we created these big lofty daylit spaces that allow for students, not just engineering students, but students from all over the university to come and, <clears throat> and think about inventing the future. Um, and so we have, they have, uh, they have um, something like 36 clubs from all over the university coming and working in that building now, kind of designing things and making things. Oh, they I can have, even see they want to be they there. Classes that, yeah. yeah, they have classes that... that uh, that help architecture students come and they mix it with the engineering students and they mix with the English students and the business students and they all kind of come up with these ideas. They're just crazy, wild, wonderful <laughs> things. And, uh, you crazy know, somebody wild. was there once and somebody had created a rocking chair where you could 
you could you could sit in the rocking chair and charge your phone just by the motion of the rocking. <laughs> really? I thought, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, but that's that's the uh, the essence of the kind of space that you're you're designing. Yeah, exactly. So so the yeah. idea is to create an environment that really that 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 the students really want to come to and be in, and they they feel like they can just kind of kind of fulfill whatever they want to whatever vision they have and uh, and that's been it's been hugely successful so that's 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 good one good example that building isn't quite net zero energy it's designed to be about 90% below the baseline energy requirements so it's like we almost got there but not yeah. quite yeah how how would it how, do you uh, how does it feel when you when you've completed a building or at least to, to what you agreed to complete, and you hear the the, uh, the takes of the people. You know, there's got to range from euphoria to oh my goodness, this is incredible. What, what what does that feel like to know that you started from nothing? Well, it's you know, it, I mean, of course, an idea. When it's positive, it's very it's yeah. very very rewarding. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. But you know, I'm sure there's challenges throughout the whole process. But yeah. to go from like we're here, you know, I could sketch something out to you, and to know that that's this this sketch, whatever it is, that at it can be it can be built, and that you did it. Yeah. What is that f- what, f- for, Bill? What is what does Bill feel for that? I think it's, very, it's yeah. very powerful. I mean, I, 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 you know, I've had, I've had many moments when you you design something and or you you're involved in a process. <clears throat> I remember um, working on that uh, disabled rights community center I mentioned in Berkeley. Uh, there was a, a very stiff um, opposition from the neighbors. And and we had to go before the landmarks board, and um, even though there was a big open parking lot that Bart had carved out back in the '60s. Um, anyway, long story short, <clears throat> uh, there's this you know big panel of uh, folks there to to decide whether the building was going to be appropriate from an historic perspective or not. And um, and finally, after a lot of discussion, this uh, gentleman in a reclining wheelchair who couldn't do anything but move his head he he rolled up in front of the um the the board and he says um he says uh, you know i'm 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 your worst nightmare he says because someday you might end up like me and i want you to know that i've been going in the back doors of buildings my entire life and i'll be so proud to go in the front door of this one. Oh. and at that point he must have been floored at that point yeah. at that point the the board kind of looked at each other and said I think we're going to prove this now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's a that's power, the feedback. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. That's a powerful thing. I mean, it kind of really, it really, uh, it really makes it worthwhile. Yeah. And so we we talked earlier about the culture uh, of your firm, and um, what is is there kind of a connection from all your clients or with all your clients that they, there's a thread that connects them all to when they approach you about a project that they'd like you to work on. Is there any one or a couple things that you can say, hey, you know what, they're always going to be concerned about um, uh, the built environment. They really like des- uh, great design. What, what is it that kind of attracts you so much to your clients or the clients to you that you think? I mean, I think it's 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 probably a combination of those things. I mean, I think... Um uh, our reputation is for, we have a reputation for design, but also for um, sustainable design. So we attract clients with that uh, that agenda. Um, our work in affordable housing for disadvantaged populations is 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 is, yeah. is, is really um, 
uh, gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, how did you get did you get started in that? Did you reach out and say, hey, I think I can help you with this or did they come to you? How how, how does that um, how does that begin? It's happened it's happened slowly over the years. I mean, I think we, we both uh, uh, my partner Richard Stacy and 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 Marsha Madem and I all had multifamily housing experience uh, from our before we started our firm. Um, but Richard, a lot, most of the credit goes to him. Richard is uh, is is a really good and just a really excellent architect, and he is was able to um, uh, with a few key projects that we somehow got <laughs> at the very beginning. Uh, now, probably 15 years ago, um, uh, they they he just he just poured out his heart and soul into these projects and they were very successful and won a bunch of awards and and that's led to other other projects along the way um, but you know what's, what's interesting about that is we don't do we don't do um, very many market rate projects you know we don't do like apartment building we, we do one or two apartment buildings every so often but we don't do condominiums uh, really anymore is that by choice it's by choice okay. um, I think for a number of reasons one is that one is that the main one being that we we find that it's just really rewarding to work with these nonprofit housing developers who are all such lovely people. Yeah, <laughs> there's got to be a warmth about them. There, is there? Yeah, okay. I mean, and I think it's the other thing that gets back to what our clients all share. They all share a mission. They all they all they're all passionate about their mission, and they I think they I think or I hope they see in us the ability to sort of take their mission and turn that into a physical expression. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's probably the main thing that attracts that attracts uh, that attracts clients to us. Yeah. And when they're what's I know I asked this before, but uh, what's the, the, the outcome of um, you know seeing the projects and you're there with everyone who's been involved? Have you ever collectively just kind of just sat back, looked at it and go, wow. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's 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 always very um, um I mean the, the the school projects, the the nonprofit projects, um, the the um, the affordable housing projects. I remember that we did a project um, in San Mateo, in San Francisco, which was the first um, uh, city-funded ground-up housing for formerly homeless people. Back it was completed back I think in two thousand six, something like that. Anyway, um, at the at the opening ceremony. Uh, you know, there were the politicians were all showed up in droves and they were all giving speeches and so forth. But the most powerful people were a couple of the residents who, who had been living on the street and had just, you know, moved in. And they just spoke eloquently about what it meant to them, what it meant to their lives, how it, how it really changed everything, just was a complete game changer for them. Um, and the really cool thing was that one of them mentioned, this is a building that we designed that my, my partner Richard designed along with um, our, our partner Paula Taggart designed this building so that it had a, um, a it's a seven story building and it has a series of colorful different colored you know wood panels on the outside and um, and the idea was that you could be down on the sidewalk and point up and say that one right there that's mine and uh, and one of the one of the residents mentioned that and said I, the fact that I can I can point to the building and say I live there uh, was was a powerful thing there wasn't a dry eye in the house yeah yeah that's outstanding this is the modern architect KCSU 90.1 FM Stanford worldwide Orphans Foundation 
seeks to transform the lives of orphan children and help them become healthy, independent, productive members of their communities and the world. Programs differ according to the country's specific needs, but often include centrally located community-based healthcare services, education for orphans and caregivers, and enrichment activities such as participations in sports or day camps. To learn more or volunteer or make a donation, visit www.org. That's www.org. And now back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Bill Letty, principal at Letty Maiden Stacy Architects. For more information, please visit www.lmsarch.com. That's www.lmsarch.com. Bill, you said uh, not a dry eye in the place. Um, if I'm reaching, tell me. But is there a point uh, uh, when in your work that you actually are going for that? I don't mean you don't want everyone crying, of course. <laughs> but but where you're going for that that sense of just this euphoric, uh, um, just this real core, very real um, excitement and satisfaction. You know, I think I think there are many project types that that. Uh, that that you're going forward that in and some some not as much as others i mean you know if you're if you're designing a warehouse maybe that's not quite exactly <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's like you're, you're bleeding it's it, it sounds like to, to to get that sort of response from people you have to in my, in my opinion you have to really bleed into your work yeah and sweat into it, it it's not just a, okay you're really good your talent here it is and yeah it works to get that sort of response from people Especially uh, when it seems like it's over and over and over again with y- your work, you have to. That's got to be in your work. How do you feel about that or think about that? No, and I think you know it's it's, it's true that um, you know we work really hard at what we do, and 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 I think you know we talked a little bit earlier about how do you make it look easy. Well, you know when you make it <laughs> yeah. look easy, it's not easy at all. It's 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 like in any uh, you know creative activity. If if it looks easy, you know that someone has really really put a lot of um, heart and soul into it. Um, but I, I, I do think that at its basis, I think, I think you know, if you, if, you, if you talk to architects I and mean, ask architects, as I'm sure you have, you know, why did you get involved in architecture? Um, you're going to get a variety of responses. I always feel it's probably, you know, kind of generally in the same theme of, well, you know, I want to create beautiful places. I want to, I want to, I want to touch people with you know, inspiring environments um, or something as simple and maybe corny as I want to build a better world. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's, that's, I think, the power of being an architect. I think you really have an opportunity to, to help, um, even if it brings just a small moment of, of grace, as we talked about earlier, or of order or whatever word yeah. you want to use, uh, or, you know, if you're, if you're designing a spiritual place of spirituality, um, into someone's life for just a moment, then your job is done. Yeah, because everything is moments. Everything is moments. My mom talks about life being a collection of memories in a basket. Oh, that's great! And as you walk along, you just pluck. The, you can pluck. You put put the memories in. And at some point, you can pull them back out and kind of look at them and yeah. remember. And I think you know what what what, archi- what architects do is 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 I think and designers do is that we co- we collect memories of places and special places and moments, and <clears throat> they're all stored in our memory in our memory banks, if you will. 
And, uh, and, and when we're designing, we draw on those moments. And we say, well, you remember that, remember that time we were at this place and at this moment and the light fell on the wall in just a certain way? Remember how that was? And, and, uh, and let's, let's see if we can do that again. Yeah, I like that. If you go back to even when you were 16. Even when I was 16. Okay, so those moments really, really resonated with you. Absolutely. Actually, they stay, they, they, stay, really, they really stay with you. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, so you are bringing that into, your pro- uh, into all of your projects. Um, with architecture constantly evolving, what changes have you seen, say, in the last five or so years um, in particular, whether it's uh, energy, it's... Uh, Lighting, and you mentioned some daylighting. I want to touch on a little bit about that too. But what, what have you seen the changes in say in the last five or five or so years that make it so exciting? Now? Well, I think there's I think there's the two the two things um, that are both exciting and daunting. I think I think one is the, of course the <clears throat> the increasing need for architects and society in general to you know kind of make this huge shift to a post carbon world. Um, that's a that's a um, you know, people have talked about it as being it's it's equivalent to there should be a Manhattan project just for that. How do we get how do we get you know mm, wow. what Volvo motor cars was just like two three days ago announced that all by, electric they're yeah. going all electric by nineteen yeah. or twenty nineteen. That's yeah. two years from now. Rapid. Right? That's yeah. huge. So so anyway, we're in the middle of this gigantic shift, and, and a lot of people kind of are oblivious to it because they're going around through their lives. But in fact, that's one that we have to really push hard and continue pushing hard. And then I think the second part of that that's changed dramatically um, is the evolution of our tools, uh, the tools of our trade, mm. if you will. And, and the fact that, you know, of course now with the last 15, 20 years, everything has gone completely digital. And, you know, I, I'm known as Letty the Luddite in my office because, <laughs> yeah, really? because I'm the one who's kind of going, well, okay, let's, let's make sure we understand what we're gaining and what we're losing is yeah. with each evolution. Letty but the but the but the but the reality is that 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 we we've gained a lot of power, and the trick is 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 to understand how best to um, leverage that power to create the environments that we the high performance environments that we want to we want to create. So I think those two things um, alone have have created enormous enormous shift, but also an enormous series of opportunities uh, and creative opportunities yeah. too. I think I think I think too often, and this is true. I think in in all professions, change is met uh, skeptically by the um, uh, the 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 older folks. Yeah. Do you think it's just is human nature? I think it. I, okay. At, at the end of the day, I think it's human nature. Okay. And <clears throat> often, and then often, the, the young accept change unquestioningly. And um, and so and so I guess you know I've always been an advocate for okay technology is great and let's make sure we understand what we're actually we're not we're, we're driving it it's not driving us but anyway I think those are two huge opportunities and um, that's what makes it I think so exciting right now yeah and and in the the built environment <clears throat> I'm I'm of course obsessed with the built environment do you how how do you feel just going around. Uh, just your life. Do you look at buildings and structures and say, "Oh, if they do this, they could, it would it would add this," or if they took that away, they would have this? Do you do you do that? Uh, or is that only? A, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> You're hesitating, so I have a feeling you do at some level. But, I do at some level, but yeah. I, I think <clears throat> I think one of the things that I've that I've noticed over the course of my career is that um, when I first got out of school, I was extremely critical of everything. 
And that's because you, Bill, yeah, really, and that's because, no. <laughs> and that's because, and that's because probably because I just didn't know very much. And the, oh, and the that's more cruel, but I get, that makes more, sense. And though. the more and the more that I've learned, the more that I understand about how difficult it is to get something exceptional made. The more I appreciate, even if I don't necessarily agree with exactly the way that something was built, or the the way it might work, or the way it might look, I still. I look at it with greater appreciation. So it's, it, I should say it's more nuanced now than it has been than it, than it has been in the past. I, I sort of, if I, it looks like someone really tried hard and didn't quite get it, it's like, good for you for trying, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or if they if they really yeah. tried hard and really killed it and knocked it out of the park, it's like, man, hooray. <laughs> yeah. So you're hitting your stride. That's well, what's part of hitting your stride is yeah, that understanding, that, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. There was a there was a I, I don't remember recall the movie on there, but it ended with um, unlearn. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, I never had th- thought about that, that it's it's challenging to learn, but even more so to unlearn. And right. which one may be even more important? I'm right. not sure. What, what, how do you feel about that? You know, yeah. that ability to unlearn. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think I think uh, unlearning if, if if by unlearning we mean, you know, getting rid of some of our prejudices or some of our. Um, you know, kind of knee-jerk responses and really sort of looking a little bit more deeply, then I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. But w- what's your thoughts on this uh, This quote from Michelangelo? Every block of stone has a statue inside it, and it's the task of the sculptor to discover it. Uh, I think that's a, that's a, that's very appropriate to architecture. I yeah. Mean, I think it's, it, it, it's a, it, it may mean in a different way. Um, I think, you know, of course, he's talking about a, a, a process of creating art through reduction. And, and, and what, what, what architects do is creating a work of art or architecture through um, assembly. So it's, it's, it's sort of the, in some ways, it's the inverse. But at the same time, I would say that we have, not to get too intellectual about this, I think, right. I think there's, a, I think there's a, um, embedded within each set of circumstances, sites, um, you know, uh, program, client, all of those things have embedded within them um, ripe possibilities. And it's the job of every architect to find those right possibilities and let them blossom. I love that, ripe. You, your selection of words are awesome. I love them, Bill. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Bill Letty, Principal at Letty Madem Stacy Architects, the 2017 American Institute of Architects National Firm of the Year Award winner. LMS is a diverse group of designers who share a common belief in the transformative power of architecture to help lead the way to a just, healthy, and regenerative future for all. For more information, visit www.lmsarc.com. That's lmsarc.com. Bill, thank you very much for being here. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. The recording engineer and production manager is Akshay Jaggi. The assistant engineer is McGregor Joyner, and we're all assisted by Bryce Carter. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. Please tune in again next week at 10 a.m. on Monday mornings for another edition of The Modern Architect.
Support for KZSU comes from Modeler.com, a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com works with architects from architecture and design firms to discover, discuss, and specify products for their building projects. We at KZSU thank Modeler.com for their generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect.